Welcome to the Pancake on a Stick podcast. I've got information, man. Anyone going to eat this meatloaf? All right. This is the first of maybe one or maybe many interviews that I have decided to do with people who are working at schools and would like to tell you about their schools. So as you know, I run a very low cost, no frills newsletter, and this is a very low cost, no frills podcast. Um, or it may not be a podcast. This may just be a file that you play. It doesn't really matter. You can call it whatever you want. So today I'm going to be talking to my friend, Heather, and I'm going to let Heather introduce herself in just a moment. Um, Heather is going to talk about her school a bit, and um, she's also going to talk about some jobs that are available right now. If you happen in the future to listen to this episode, this is episode one, maybe it's one of one, maybe it's one of a hundred, you should know that it is April 14th, 2022 today. So if it's 2024, it's probably good to only listen to the parts about the school because the jobs probably aren't available. So just a little disclaimer. All right, so let's get started. So Heather, thank you for agreeing to be my guinea pig. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. So Heather, I think you should introduce yourself like first name, last name, and just tell people uh, kind of where you're working now. Don't give them your address or your phone number. I've heard that's that's a mistake. All right, uh, my name is Heather Andrik. Um, I'm currently working in Tokyo at a small, school called the United School of Tokyo um, as the director of teaching and learning. And um, before you worked at this school, where were your last two uh, job postings? Yeah, before, uh, before the United School of Tokyo, I was working at the um, Lincoln School in Buenos Aires, Argentina as a K-12 instructional coach. And before that, I worked um, as a elementary teaching and learning specialist at the International School of Kuala Lumpur. Great. So I would say that you worked at some pretty well-established schools and uh, with well-established student populations, culture, and history. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Anybody can research those schools and you'll see that. And I would also like to say that Heather actually took a bit of her, I would say she took a leap of faith because she decided to work for a new school and to help them build a new school, which I've done. And I would say it's really stressful to build a new school, Heather. Would you agree with that? <laughs> it's stressful to build a new school. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that because you know the little like technical changes that people talk about in change management aren't aren't really things that work in a new school environment because it's it's constantly especially like after eight years which is the size of our current school um and bringing in kind of a new team of people with with different vision than the original founders of the school like there needs to be adaptive change because of the population growth of the school the um physical growth of the school we've just recently um, acquired another building so yeah so a lot of changes are just constantly exploding around you. So what would you say are a few things that uh, you like about what you're doing now? Uh, well, one of the things I'm, I'm doing right now is I'm doing my master's in leadership. Um, I've probably done too many uh, 
too many courses over the last, <laughs> my dad said I need to just stop and focus on my job. Um, <laughs> but actually, actually I'm finding it really relevant, like reading texts about, you know, strategic change and change management, because like everything is exactly applicable to what's happening in my current, um, current situation. So being able to kind of synthesize that information and use it alongside my work is I think really powerful because I do have a role in which I can do that. And we do have the school's young enough and the, the teachers are flexible and dynamic and, and I would say kind of interest, really interested in learning. Um, and so I think having those qualities makes it, makes it easier to implement the change we want to see. Um, another thing that I kind of became obsessed with uh, recent in the last few years is the universal design for learning and um, working as like the director of learning. I've been really intentional about um, working with the teachers specifically on the units of inquiry to like build in multiple points of access and multiple points of representation and, and design assessments that allow for multiple means of expression. Um, and then finally, um, I'm after 11 years, it started back at DAA where, where I was with Tony and where we met. Um, I, I was introduced to writing and reading workshop back then 11 years ago and, and have done some coaching and consulting and started programs um, at those big name schools that I mentioned before around implementation of workshop, but I still get to do that. And every time I do it, I feel like it gets just better and better because I've refined what worked before and what didn't work before. So in summary, if you're someone who doesn't want to work with someone who's organized, someone who's innovative, and someone who is uh, trying to create a structure that would actually help you do your job better, don't apply for these jobs because that's the kind of person you're going to meet when you meet Heather. So, so Heather, I do want to uh, I do want to get into the jobs that you have available and. Um, like one of these jobs I saw and I really, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what is an MTSS? And I know maybe I'm supposed to know that because I'm like running a job newsletter, but I think it'd be good if you, uh, kind of gave people just a brief overview of like what jobs are available and kind of what you're looking for, um, in a person, um, to come in and work with your school. Okay. Uh, yeah, to start off, I'll, I'll mention the MTSS, which is, um, a multi-tier support specialist job. So um, currently um, at UST, we have quite a low caseload of learning support kids. And we've mainly been supporting um, our tier one interventions in the classroom with the classroom teachers. Tier two has been supported um, by the guidance counselor, by the director of learning, by, um, by support teachers. And then the tier three, um, level at the tier three level, we've brought in outside providers to actually come in and provide those, um, those kind of. So the uh, most, maybe the most, most, I would say it's like the most, the, maybe the smaller, but most challenging group of kids to work with. Yeah. And yeah, to provide really those services yeah. for those kids, um, because we haven't had an in-house person. And so at this point, we, we have decided that as we, kind of have another maybe 10 kids who are in between tier two and tier three, we were potentially going to recommend that they have 
outside evaluations. Um, and we have some um, pending IEP development as well. We'd really like to bring in someone who is kind of a, an expert in, in learning support, um, someone who has a special ed background, someone who kind of wants to be a go-getter as far as leading this, um, leading the development of this program as far as um, it's a small program, but it has a lot of potential of how it can go because there's not a huge, um, huge array of needs at the school, but there are some highly abled kids with math. And I, I would say that's a huge area where we use Singapore math and the nature of the program allows a lot of kids to excel if they've been doing it religiously over years. Mm. Um, and so um, we're looking for somebody who kind of is a team player, somebody who has really good pe people skills and who can work with teachers, um, especially at that tier two level to kind of upskill them and, um, and maybe push in to support the kids after the, the teachers have been implementing their own tier one interventions to lead kid monthly kid talks at each grade level, um, along with the guidance counselor who um, is fully there to support behavioral and social emotional needs as well. Um, and somebody to kind of uh, take on uh, also a, a lead role in collaborating with me to do school-wide data digs um, and really think about how we can do tiered interventions successfully with all the people that we have at school. So it's, it's, an, it's a new job. It's, um, it, we're looking for somebody who like wants to kind of write their own job description at the same time as having those set of skills that we, I just mentioned. And it also sounds like, and I know, I know quite a few people who do different types of learning support jobs. And one of their biggest complaints is the school has me because they are supposed to, but no one's really involved. No one really cares. It doesn't seem like your school's like that. It seems like your school is highly invested in working with the students that you have. So um, anytime you, I think anytime anyone, um, says that they have a position and that position is connected to somebody who's doing data analysis, they're pretty serious about that position. So that would just be my, that's what I kind of took away from that, from someone who kind of works like in administration and who is kind of in those meetings where we're talking about staffing and also someone who works with data and data collection and software, you know, like the software people want kind of tells you what areas they really want to focus on. Yeah. And I, I would say that person, yeah, this person would probably be in our guidance counselor this year has really stepped up, especially with the behavioral needs of, of leading some of these, um, these kid talk meetings, et cetera. And I, I think um, she's often kind of come in and out of our senior leadership team meetings. And I believe that person would be equally respected and, and play that part as well. So. Now you also have uh, a job on your list, an upper school elementary school teacher. Is that what that stands for, upper ES? Yes, so we're really trying to create a gender balance um, at our school of, of teachers. And so um, we're looking for an upper elementary school teacher, somebody who is um, familiar with workshop, um, ideally familiar with Singapore math, um, and also kind of is interested in um, 
developing units of inquiry uh, with the universal design lenses in mind. Um, I think the, the positives of kind of working at UST are that the, the classes are small. There's usually 16 kids per class. Um, and as I said, we have a um, tight, tight-knit community with um, pretty supportive parents. And so the parents are kind of always around after, after school um, on Fridays, everyone goes to the local park and um, the kids and the teachers and the parents are often th there. So um, I think this role is like, it's good in the sense that um, it's community oriented. Um, it's in the nice new middle school building. Um, the, the fifth, it's ideally for a fifth grade teacher. Um, the one thing I would say that we're really looking for is somebody who's strong with differentiation. Um, the teacher that we have uh, in fifth grade right now is excellent, um, but he he has openly said that he's like, I really wish I had somebody who could be my thinking partner around how to differentiate for kids for because I know that that's like an area of growth for me. Okay, so it's it's the age group is like U.S. grade five. Yes. Yeah. And for all the British people out there, that's key. That's key stage seventy five point three. Key stage. I'm I'm just kidding. I just I always get lost in the key stages. <laughs> and then the third job you have on your list, you have a K to three curriculum specialist. Again, I would like to say that I very rarely see um, an elementary school that actually is looking for a curriculum specialist. Normally, they connect that to like a vice principal and just say, hey, by the way, also map the curriculum. So I think that's pretty cool. So uh, what's what's that one all about? And what are you looking for for a K-3 curriculum specialist? Yeah, so for a K-3 curriculum specialist, we're looking kind of for somebody to come in. We have a couple of new green teachers coming in in our, um, in our lower elementary and particularly in grades one, two, and three. So we're looking for somebody who kind of has some um, instructional coaching background. We're looking for somebody who could come in and lead um, curriculum meetings around um, unit development. Most of the um, most of the teachers right now have all of the. I would say all of the units are documented for stage one of UBD. Um, depending on the different grade level or different subject area, people are in different places. So, like the K's are really working on documentation of learning, which always seems to be like a universal trend with. ECC teachers, <laughs> like, you know, what's the best way to document learning? Um, whereas I think um, with grades one to, or sorry, grades kindergarten, kindergarten to like the five-year-old kindergarten up until grade three, we'd be looking at like stage two, um, particularly around math assessment and potentially um, developing math assessments that have multiple points of entry. Um, because currently we're using the math assessments directly from math and focus. And I think they, they, the teachers have really said, we need to elevate this because it's not serving the kids' needs and also not serving um, kind of how we want to kids to be able to express themselves and what they understand in math. Um, and then I think it would also just be kind of making, working with me as well to make sure that there was like that K to eight alignment um, in kind of attached to the mission and the vision of the school and, um, and what we want our students to be like.
And do you think this person would do uh, some teaching or is this mostly um, actually this kind of curriculum specialist role where they're just working with teachers, planning and kind of uh, helping you uh, integrate what's going on K to three up into the other grade levels? Yeah, I think they would be doing maybe teaching in the form of like demo lessons for as far as instructional coaching went um, and uh, potentially in the classroom to support a lot of, as I said, modeling. Um, I think the next stage with workshop, we um, the teachers have been doing reading workshop for a while at the school for about five years, but we just implemented writing workshops. So I think the next natural step is to do um, some serious work around conferring because it's a really powerful feedback point. And so uh, I think it would be a lot of modeling of that with a gradual release of like coaching, co-conferring and coaching the teacher into being able to do that independently. So it's really like a lot of like thinking partner, coaching work um, and being kind of like a teacher support role so that they can do what's best for kids. Okay. And when you say workshop, this is readers, writers workshop out of Columbia University? Yes. Okay. I'm just, cl I'm just clarifying because I know there's a lot of programs out there. Okay. So that would be someone who, um, who definitely is looking to do more than just teach and who feels like they have a lot to offer and who feels like they can model to other people and help them grow as teachers. Yes. Well, that's actually a pretty exciting job. It's it sounds, uh, it sounds pretty cool, to be honest with you. Um, now, here's, here's the tough part. And I can say this, like, with a lot of experience that when you have a new school or a new program, getting people to come there um, is hard. And um, I don't really know why it's so hard, because I, I think that I've seen the most innovation and had the most fun in new programs. And when I go to well-established programs, I just sometimes feel like nothing's moving. And I'm like, what, you know, what, what, what do I have to even put into this? Like, I'm just supposed to follow a plan that's been running for like 10 years. So one thing I just had to think about before we had this conversation was what's the, what I call the value proposition for taking this job in Tokyo. Now, um, some people, We'll just say, you know, and, and I'm guilty of this to some degree, because when I do talk to people about recruitment, I do tell them to think about like their finances. I don't think it's good for somebody to take a job somewhere if, for example, they have a massive student loan payment and the salary they're making doesn't cover their expenses. That's anywhere in the world, I would say that's a bad idea. But aside from just making sure like that you have a sound like financial decision when choosing a job. There's so many other things that go into like making a choice. I don't necessarily think a school being popular or well-known by its name is a really good reason for choosing to work there. So I wanted Heather to tell me like she's been at her school, she lives in Tokyo. So I'm gonna shut up now and let Heather tell me like, what is the value proposition? Like, what do you think it is uh, about your school that is more attractive, something that's not about money and not about just getting free coffee in the break room. <laughs> yeah, um, I think one thing is, is that I, I feel like we give our teachers quite a lot of autonomy. Um, you know, we're not gonna, I say we do reading and writing workshop, 
um, we've been intentional about, you know, saying that like follow the workshop model, you know, teach the teaching points, but add like a pinch of you to it because, um, because we hired you because we value your expertise and the knowledge you're bringing to our school. So I think um, with, with that regard, I think there's a lot of autonomy. I mean, we're constantly kind of re revisiting what we're doing. So a lot of the work that we've done this year around revising assessment um, is, is based off kind of talking about UDL, as I mentioned in the earlier on. And so teachers are really like, they're getting together and they're collaborating like constructively around like ideas that are gonna benefit students and like, and the way that they express themselves and the way that they learn and get and, like really elevate interests. So I think that lends itself to like, you have a lot of room to make a difference in student in student learning and what it looks like. You, you get to be a part of defining that. And then I think the other thing is, is that UST is a really unique school as far as international schools go because I've worked at some of some big gun schools which have a lot of wealthy families um, who are whose companies are paying tuition and they live very high unique lives and it's it's hard as a parent myself um, for my child to integrate with kids who live in the Spanish countryside, um, which you can only access by car um, in some lavish mansion. Whereas like, I mean, I would say at UST, it's, it's purposely been built for middle school, middle-class families, um, a lot of catering to people who want an international education. I would say 40% of our population is foreign, 40% is half Japanese and half foreign. And then 20, only 20% is um, fully Japanese. And so that dynamic like really allows for um, a good mix of internationalism, um, but also at a nice level of, I'm making the same salary as many of the families that are at our school. And that's nice because you just kind of go in feeling equal, which is not always the same at some of these bigger money powered schools. And those are all uh, really good points. I was just thinking about the mix of students and how, you know, I worked at a boarding school in Korea and I helped with the boarding program. And we really only had like five students who weren't Korean. And it was difficult sometimes to get the students to just try different things. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, try this food or how about we try like this sport instead of that sport? Or it's, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's harder. It's harder to get creative things going in the community. It's harder to try to shift gears and show them something different. And uh, I think having a mix of students is amazing. Like uh, where Heather and I worked in, in Dubai, we had a great mix of student nationalities and I really miss that. I still remember I had a class, um, where I had 15 students and all of them were from a different country. Like, and so when we did projects, we really, really did a variety of projects. And when we had kids come up with nicknames for themselves, which is something I always like to do with uh, kind of like the nerdy kids I would get in programming class, um, the, uh, it's kind of like their hacker name. 
the names were just all over the place and you're just like I'll never ever experience this again it was like great it sticks with me and this was years ago and those kids most of them are out of university now and we're still close and they still message and they're doing great in their careers and like this is the kind of stuff you can't really put a dollar sign on and you don't really know what the impact is until later so um yeah I think those are those are great and you know value proposition it's something you need to think about like yes you need to like have a stable place to live and you need to have like uh, a salary that meets your needs but after that you can get that in a lot of places so after that you know what is there and i'm sure heather just like me you've met plenty of people who are working overseas they have like a really good salary they have a nice place to live and they're just not happy and other people around them are happy but they're not happy and it's because they didn't look at the other things like why do you want to move here? Why do you want to work here? Like not every country is the same and you can't just turn up and, and be happy somewhere where the job or the community or the environment just doesn't kind of meet your personal values and what you're looking for. So um, yeah, anyway, that was great. And I can talk to Heather for a very long time but I'm purposefully keeping these short because ideally I would like to do this more frequently with people um, instead of me, like just putting your jobs on the newsletter, just say, Hey, why don't you talk to me about my school and how amazing my school is so we can get some awesome people to come work here. That's what this is all about. So Heather, unless there's something that you want me to correct or delete, cause you think I'm just like rambling and I need to like take a step back and stop. I think, <laughs> I think that we're, we're good and we can sign off. I, uh, I think you should say your name one more time and remind people where you work. Okay, uh, I'm Heather Ondrick. I work at the United School of Tokyo. And there we have it. And thank you for listening. And Heather, thank you for giving me this opportunity to interview you. Yeah, thank you.